Welcome back to Cinema 7. I'm your host this episode, Mario B. And today we're talking about the movie It. The movie remake of the uh, early 90s series based off the novel by Stephen King. Uh, so far it's made, what has it made? Not 17 million, but... 117 million. That's crazy. But we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, with me is uh, Chris Hawk. Hey. And John Kanuki. I'm actually uh, the dancing John Kenoki this episode. <laughs> the dancing John Kenoki. The incre- You're the right Kenoki. The incredible dancing uh, Pennywise John Kenoki. No, just the, just the dancing. Oh, okay, John okay. Kenoki. You kidding me? John's making dimes. Okay, nickels and dimes. He's the he's the. the never mind. But uh, <laughs> so before we get into it, uh, into the movie, it we're going to talk about some movie news. News, news, news. So we got a couple things we're going to talk about today. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention uh, real quick is apparently the Venom movie, the production has been delayed another month. Um, I don't think that's really going to affect anything. I I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? I think um, Tom Hardy is still stuck in that mask that he was in from Dunkirk, and they're trying to get it off of him, and that's why it's taking so long. (laughs) I actually think they uh, listened to our... Our pitch it. They're changing the entire plot. I think I think they're gonna go. Tom Hardy is actually Harry Osborne. Oh my god! <laughs> Just to plug our episode real quick, go check out our picture fix it episode where we talk about what could be the plot of uh, the Venom movie, Sony's Venom movie, and uh, we also kind of cast everybody ourselves. That was before we knew Tom Hardy was uh, Venom and the director, who the director was and all that, but go check that episode out. It's everywhere. Twitter. Uh, wait, no, not Twitter. But, I mean, it might be on Twitter still if you hash, if you search the hashtag Venom and look for a while. Uh, but, so, you know, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Check it out. Uh, the only other, th- yeah. the couple other things I wanted to mention was uh, Junkie XL is confirmed to do the Tomb Raider soundtrack. He did the uh, Mad Max, the latest Mad Max movie soundtrack. I don't know exactly what else he's done, but I think he's done a few other things. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Thor Ragnarok will uh, explain Thor and Jane's breakup. I didn't need to know that. I did. I care. They were the hottest couple oh, on the Jesus. street for a while there, man. I mean, Thor. I would like to know why she's not in it. She's or why he doesn't care to go back. She's busy. It's not she's... you. It's <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, it's just... I'm glad he's going away from Earth stuff. Like, if he's not tied to Earth, he can do more cosmic things. There's way more cooler things that he can do in the cosmos than he can on Earth. Like, like Midgard is cool, but there's way other, there's like eight other realms that he could explore that would be just as cool. Not only does Thor, like, he's a, he's kind of promiscuous. Like, he, he falls, he has, hey, he, he makes love to many different types of, creatures like that's part of who thor is he he eats so he's star lord yeah sure are you telling me thor is a a, a man of the night <laughs> <laughs> like he just goes out there and people pick him up for a I good mean, time thor, 
Thor, he uh, he's a man. He's a man's man, and he knows what he wants, and he eat, drinks, and be merry. And part of the being merry is that he, he, you know, he travels a lot. He 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 conquests. Like, let's see him going on conquest because we saw a little bit of that in Thor two. We need we need a little bit more in of the that. beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. Wait, are you? Are we still talking about sexual <laughs> conquest? Or are we talking? <laughs> like it's alluding to him in um, the Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson. Having being a love interest, I think that was the rumor that she's the love interest in this one. I was like, you know, Thor works better when, personally, I think Thor works a little bit better when there's a revolving door of, well, that sounds really bad, but when there's not really damsel. <laughs> <laughs> <You just can't. laughs> let's move on. Let's, let's move, move on. on. Um, I have nothing to say about that. Speaking of horror movies, uh, the director or the writer of the Nun explains. That's going to be different than the other Conjuring movies. Uh, is anybody excited for the Nun or more Conjuring stuff? Is the Conjuring the same? Is that the the franchise that made over a billion dollars? Are we thinking? Um, are we thinking about the Conjuring? Is that the same thing as Annabelle? Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you, I haven't seen any of those movies. <laughs> um, the second one I thought was pretty good. The, the first one's all right. I thought the second one was a little bit better. They kind of base it around, you know, like real, um, well, you know, I wouldn't say real because they're not, you know, proven to be true or unexplained. There's theories. It's like the people's actual experiences, supposedly. Or or real hauntings. What I meant, what I really meant to say is Thor is a lot cooler (laughs) when he's not tied down to like one individual woman that's what i meant to say really that's like that's <laughs> i'm trying to save myself here he so you promoting being man of the night Thor <laughs> could be whoever he wants he's a strong independent 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 woman you know independent man yeah same, same, god. same. independent god okay, okay? does what he independent wants god <laughs> uh did you guys have anything you wanted to bring up for news uh I think it's it's old news now, but uh, Colin Trevorrow is out as the director for episode nine. I know that me and Mario have been pining for a new director for episode nine for Star Wars for a long time because we didn't think Colin was the right choice. I I just George Lucas. Yeah, there you go. I was thinking I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, that'd be a great return for George Lucas. Let him uh, finish this series off. You know, I think that'd be pretty neat. But. You know, J.J. Abrams is uh, directing episode nine now. But, I mean, it, it, to me, Colin Trevorrow is average at best. Like, Jurassic Park, I, I didn't really feel like... Jurassic World. That movie... Jurassic World, sorry. I, I didn't really feel like that movie was enhanced by direction. Like, I didn't, I didn't feel like he really did anything for that movie. I feel like it was pretty much studio everything and then you know the big stars in it made it what it was i mean, I mean burt burt macklin made that movie that, that's why that movie was so good <laughs> apparently the other movie he's done um the book of that Hen- came out this year book of henry the book of henry people, yeah apparently that's getting ripped apart people did not like that movie i'm sure it's not real bad but i just don't think he's you know like a director like that can take something and make it his own. I think he's just like a studio, uh, you know what I mean? Just a guy that they tell him what to do and he just does it. Apparently that's, that's the reason why they, they, uh, the dispute though, was that they over differences, creative differences, why they Colin was out. 
So maybe he did want to do his own thing, and they said no. Hmm, that's interesting. That's the rumor. Well, at that point, when you have three separate directors doing three movies that are supposed to span a trilogy and all mesh together, you really need someone in the end who's not going to like take it in a completely different direction. I mean, you can still have someone that can put their own spin on it, but it can't be completely different in tone than every other movie we've seen because two movies have already built up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, if if he was trying to, you know, make this his, his breakout, you know, masterpiece where he does something game-changing, they don't want that. Get out of here. Yeah. You should have done that with Jurassic World. No, okay? No. <laughs> I s- All we needed was callbacks to the original. <laughs> John, do you have any news? Uh, my pieces of news involve Disney and their streaming service. Uh, they do plan to pull Marvel from Netflix, I read. Yep. Um, and they need 32 million people to break even on that subscription service. That's a lot of viewers. I, I mean, it, it could. Wow. It could happen. I mean, Disney is beloved. It's universal. Kids, parents, you know, even teens. It could work i just i see myself not buying it because i already have netflix and hulu there's just no point for me to buy a third streaming service i don't know if i don't know if they've released a price point for it but i think that's really what it matter like matters here is how much they are wanting a month i mean i guess they had to if they have a number for number of subscriptions they need but unless they just released that but i don't know what the price point is but i can't imagine it's going to be like less than netflix which is definitely a problem you basically have cable at that point if you you know have hulu netflix disney streaming service and maybe one other thing you might as well just pay for cable <laughs> yeah yeah that, i i agree john i totally agree because i mean hulu is what the basic one's 7.99 and then netflix you know now is 9.99 so i mean those two right there is perfectly fine i mean yeah, there's like CBS and there's all kinds of other ones that are, are trying to, you know, big uh, bring in these big shows. Like, is it Freeform or or who the heck is it? They they got the uh, Electric Dreams, the Philip K. Dick based off Philip K. Dick's book. I think it's Freeform, and uh, they're trying to. That's going to be on their streaming service only, and I I don't know what else they have for me to even care. To get their streaming service. I mean, I want to see that show, but, you know, with the internet today, people are going to post that on, you know, something like Exodus or stream it, and then you'll be able to watch it online. So it's it's really like, it's good. I understand the market to have your own streaming service, but like John said, like, there's going to be, like, if you want to get a bunch to see separate things, you might as well just pay for cable. It's basically it's going to put you into two camps. Either you're going to be one of the purest people that just are just going to not buy it and just buy all the DVDs, and you're still giving money to them anyways, or you're going to be the people that give in because you want the classic Disney movies. Like just today, I was watching Hercules on Netflix, and I wouldn't be able to do that in the future because Disney's going to start their own streaming service. So, What do you think the price is going to be, John, if you had to guess? I'd honestly guess like ten bucks a month or something. I can see that. It just seems like an easy number for people, and they may have to lower it. And if they get enough people, they might be able to. It just depends. The other piece of news I had was uh, 
They said they're going to do a Rocket Origins story in, like, the next Guardians movie. I don't know if I care. I, yeah. I'd care how he finds Groot, but that's about as far as I could take. Uh, Rocket's... Pr- the same way Han yeah. <laughs> Rocket's a pretty... You might as well just... <laughs> He's a pretty abrasive character that I only could take so much of. He's he's great in the group dynamic, but just him by himself, he gets kind of grating. So I, it have to it have to be pretty spectacular to be a uh, to be good. Just do like a complete parody uh, version of the Han Solo movie oh my when that comes out. The original one, not that, not before the or I, before the changes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you said it's going to be a part of a Guardians film, right? So it could be just them exploring it in the movie. That's what they say, but that that just leads me to believe that they're going to kill him. Because they already said they're splitting Ooh. him up. So does that give it away? I I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll find out. I really feel like Chris Pratt's going to die because he's becoming such a megastar. That's just my opinion. But I, I remember Chris Hawk on our Spider-Man episode said uh, for Spider-Man Homecoming, he said that he believes that they're going to kill off Tony, it's, Tony Stark, it's the, Iron Man. It's the easiest kill. It's the one that makes the most sense, too. I mean, I can see that happening as well. It seems like they're prepping for that, too, when you look at like uh, some of the stuff that you're seeing online with the leaks and photos uh, on the sets. I mean, And then, uh, uh, you know, Captain America or Chris Evans, only his contract's till 2019. So, you know, obviously they're going to do something with him. Does do you guys ever see the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming to an end? No. I mean, eventually, I feel like they're gonna take a break, and they might, you know, do another like, because I feel like this is more like the ultimate, the ultimate universe, because that's what it feels like. Like if you if you read or have watched the Ultimate Avengers movie, everything that they've done in this movie universe seems really close to Ultimate Avengers or the Ultimate Universe in a way, except for Peter Parker is the only one who doesn't really seem maybe the ultimate type character. Because well, even Iron Man's suit he, resembles the uh, ultimate Iron Man suit. Uh, it just end? Like a definite ending that they never make anymore? No, to where it's like, alright, you know, we'll come out with a movie ten years from now when people want it again. Because I don't know how you end it at this point. But those people can't do those roles forever. You're going to either have to recast them or move on with different versions of them, which people might not take as well. I think it... I feel like... Yeah. Go ahead. I think it all depends on... It's, it's luck, really, because you have a core group of actors and nothing has to happen to them, happen to them for a certain amount of time. You have, they have to have critically acclaimed good movies for them to keep on going, to throw money at these movies to keep on going. So far, uh, superhero movies are still gaining in popularity. Even if we had a summer, uh, a movie summer that wasn't the best, it's actually one of the lowest recording grossing su- uh, movie summers since like 2006. Superhero movies are still making extraordinary amounts of money. Spider-Man just passed $800 million. Wonder Woman is still gaining money. Like these movies still make money. I mean, they're still making Western movies also, and these Western movies, even, even though they don't make the big money, there's still these niches in Hollywood that people still watch. So I, I don't think it's ever going to end, but I 
there will be a time when people are going to get tired of it. It just it's inevitable. I honestly feel like the first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man kind of set the tone for what was to come with uh, superhero movies today. Like the how Hollywood is, uh, and and the audience's obsession with superhero movies. I feel like it started there. That's just my opinion. But uh, I see what you're saying because uh, you know it's weird how we still hold on to these things like westerns and stuff, and it could be just the uh, the pop culture popularity of it i guess in society you know because uh movies and stuff like that are universal they're like i mean what what else can you talk to somebody else about like if you don't have anything in common talk about movies and stuff like that and that at least that's what i break the ice with i'm like hey what's your favorite movie if i'm meeting somebody or somebody new you know i I talk to them about movies and tv shows and so i feel like it's those things are just kind of like always going to be out there i mean maybe in a down the road, westerns and stuff, people get tired of it, but I see what you're saying. I have a feeling that the MCU is is made not to fail. No matter how hard it might seem, I, I think I, th- I just think it's it's almost made too well to the point where it's almost boring that it can't, uh, it can't fail. Like, even if you think a movie is... I think it can. I don't know. They, they have made... You mean they've made make s- money-wise fail? No, yeah, just it's they're always gonna make money. I think people get tired of them. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's gonna be a point in time where we're just like, okay, like we're gonna go see the movie and blah blah blah. Like I, I don't know. I just eventually we're gonna get tired of it. I mean, I'm already kind of tired of Marvel in a way. You don't, you don't think uh, the first X Men started the superhero craze? Oh yeah, you're right. That came out before that. I would have to, yes, I agree, is the first X-Men. We all know it was that unreleased Fantastic Four movie, okay? Oh, my God. It was Blade. Dude, <laughs> it could have been Blade, but I, I feel like people didn't know who Blade was. Really? Yeah, nobody thought that was a superhero movie. So, are you guys... So that, that's all I got. Welcome to the main event. All right, let's get into the main event. Let's start talking about it. Let's get into it. Uh, let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. It. Yeah, let's, let's get into let's it. Let's talk about it. So, before we go any deeper, let's refer to the movie as the movie and not it. So we don't get confused when we're talking about it and it. Okay. You know, let's, let's call it I'm the already, movie. Okay, I'm already let's confused. Be... So, the movie. Um, it's movie. Let's talk about our general thoughts, uh, starting with Chris Hawk. So, I have not read the it story and i have not seen the it miniseries so i honestly did not know what to think of this movie i i mean i obviously have heard rumblings i've heard people talk about it i i knew what it was about you know poor horrific fear monster that attacks preys on a town and feeds off their fears and these kids try to beat it and stuff and i didn't expect a lot from this movie personally i went in seeing two trailers so and I'm not a big fan of horror movies. I went in, and it was a great theater experience. I, I sat by myself in, like, the fourth or fifth row, and I had a fantastic time. I don't think I've laughed more since I saw Get Out in theaters. <laughs> and I thought that movie was hilarious also. I thought this movie was more funny than it was scary, and I still thought it was terrifying. 
I thought all the kid actors did wonderful. I didn't I didn't for a moment think that they couldn't carry the movie by themselves. I legitimately thought they were friends. I legitimately thought that they rib on each other all the time and that's just it just comes naturally to the rim to them. I Bev Beverly is a caring soul. I thought she was a good heart of the movie. Her and Ben were great. I just mm-hmm. this is just a good movie based off a of Stephen King novel and Stephen King writes these novels that are so so true to horror. They are not only is it like a psychological um not psychological. Not only is it like a mythical fear that it has, but also there's a realistic fear in there that I want to get into when we talk about spoilers. But overall, this movie was definitely enjoyable. It was over a, dis- a like somewhat disappointing summer, a uh, bunch of movies that we saw. I think this movie stands out big time, big big time. John, what are some of your uh, what's your general thoughts on this on the movie? So I I have seen the miniseries quite recently actually I just rewatched it because it was on TV, and I have I've never read the book but I I know a lot of the differences because. Back when I watched the series, I was curious about the book, so I did some research and looked some stuff up. And uh, with this movie, you know, I, I I went back to it again just to read different stuff. But I thought it was it was really good. Um, I expected it to be good just because of the 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 '90s version doesn't age that well. It is good for what it is if you watched it, but when you compare it to this one, this one just there's so much more available for people to do now, so it's you know, a whole different ball game. Uh, but I thought it was great. And without getting into spoilers, um, those those kids, man, fantastic uh, group vibe. I agree. I I think uh, I enjoyed it as well. I I came I went in with like zero expectations, and you know, just like Hawk, I sat by myself in the movie theater and watched it. And um, you know, I I had a more um what is it, character type of crowd? There was a lot of characters <laughs> in the crowd, in the audience. Oh, I had that too. My uh, my theater was full. Oh, really? Yeah, I think mine was too, uh, in a way. But, I mean, there was a guy up front who uh, turned around and asked these this group of kids in front of me if they wanted to uh, buy some dope. And he named them off a bunch of different <laughs> weeds. And, uh, you know... It's funny because the kids in the in the row in front of me acted, you know, they acted like they were cool and tough. And when that kid turned around and was like, hey, you want to buy some blah, blah, blah? I got blah, blah, blah. I got this. And they kind of were just like, no, man, uh, no, we're good. But, uh, yeah, that, that guy, too, who, you know, was selling the dope in the movie theater was, had, was on his phone, like, near the end. Because I, th- I think he was scared. And, you know, when people get scared, they try to hide hide that they're scared. But other than that, I, you know. It it was I I agree with Hog. A lot of parts were funnier than I uh, suspect, and there's one part in particular that I um, thought was really hilarious. We'll get into when we get into spoilers. But yeah, I agree. The kids, we'll get into more in depth about the kids, but uh, they they did fantastic. I thought the the clown was uh you know someone who hasn't seen the original, but you know have has heard about it, the miniseries. You know it. It seems like this was really well done, and and going in with zero expectations, I came out thinking that this was a positive for horror movies, and you know, there's a lot of people who are into like that horror 
culture. And I think this would, uh, you know, I think this would make them proud in a way. And, and there's a lot of fans of it. So I think this would also make those fans proud. But um, enough with uh, our general thoughts. We're, uh, I kind of want John, since he saw the miniseries and you know, he probably knows he's done more research on the book. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the comparisons and stuff? We're going to get into spoilers here, so pull on spoilers. Pull on spoilers for these comparisons. Uh, John, break it down. So with the, I'll, I'll talk. I'll speak specifically to the 90s series. Tim Curry plays Benny Wise in the 90s, and I don't think you can compare the two versions of Pennywise here. The the 90s version is very much more clown-like, and, and that's what they wanted to do with him. Uh, I'd say that uh, Bill Skarsgård, his Pennywise is more true to the tone of the book, because Pennywise is an he's he's an extra-dimensional being. That's what he is. So he's you know he's he's not really a clown. Yeah. But in the 90s, they chose to go full clown mode almost to the point where he's so clown-like, he's creepy. And that's what, you know, created a lot of clown fears in people. And it really spoke to that fear of clowns. Whereas this is more, the clown is the, the vessel for the creepiness, but not necessarily why he's scary. Because it's not really based on him being a clown. It's more about how he acts. Yeah. I think you get that too with the uh, the different uh, thing, the different forms he takes to scare the kids, or to scare you know, to scare everyone. You know, he pretty much becomes their fear and feeds off of it. And that's that's something that they don't really do that well in the '90s series when they um, they each have their own individual fears. I, it's it's done a lot better in this movie, um, but I think that's because there's more high stakes and it needs to be faster paced is the only reason that works that way. Whereas the, the 90 series was three hours. Good long. gosh. And between, you know, two parts. Um, other than that though, the, the kids function really well in both series. I'd say neither one of them really stick out in terms of being better than the other. Mm -hmm. um, the 90 series is set earlier than this one because this one's set in what the 80s yeah 87 88 89 something like that so i believe the 90s is set in the 60s and then the 80s for the second part whereas this is going to be the 80s and the 2000s for the second part which is interesting it's a, a relatable choice i'd say yeah but i you, you can definitely feel that that's why it doesn't age particularly well with the 90s series just because of how dated it is I remember you said that um, if people do really compare this to the original, like saying, oh, well, you know, people who love the original and stuff like that or haven't seen it in a while and they're like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. You were saying it could be more of a nostalgia favoritism type thing. Yeah. So the, the 90s, I think you, you really need to watch it recently. I've seen it twice and I watched it recently and then I saw it a long time ago. It's it's more about remembering how good it was yeah. rather than actually having seen it. And a lot of what you remember is Tim Curry being good and he's still good in the movie. Just It's just the rest of the movie that kind of lets you down. Whereas this is more of a complete it experience. Yeah. Okay. And I think we'll get uh, even more of a complete experience when we get the second chapter. 
I know in the book too that this is one thing I've uh, read, but I it, the ending of the book of how they defeat the clown or one part in the book where they defeat the clown. Uh, apparently, the the kids have an orgy. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it, it, it okay, actually so, is true. Uh, so all right, so the the justification behind Stephen King writing this, and it's it's not it's not so much an orgy as it is Beverly has. I, you know, she sleeps with each one of them to bring them like out of this fear because they, they they essentially beat the the monster and get lost in the sewers and they're like losing their minds because they're so crazy. They've just been through this traumatic experience and she thinks it, you know, will calm them down. And from what I understand, it's it's written in an intimate way, not as like a grotesque scene. Okay, and it's not like ever multiple people at a time. It's like a one-on-one thing, each individual section. Not not that I'm defending it or anything, but I think Stephen King has said that it's more about the the passage of them growing up. Mm-hmm. And when he wrote it, it wasn't like this big issue. And at, it is today, obviously, because, you know, we're more informed and everything. And he's he's even said that, you know, it would never fly today. That's why. This yeah. he I'm glad. That, yeah, he also wrote it during a time where he was under heavy um, drug use. So there there are questionable choices that me he may have made. So he was under the influence during certain times of when he wrote these books. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying that that could be where his mindset was when he was writing these. I forgot what I was gonna say. Yeah, it definitely is. And yeah, he he's he's gone on record saying you know it's not something he particularly endorses but it's part of what it is now and he can't he's not going to change it but he you know that's why they just leave it out of every adaptation of it i still i still like what they did in the movie now i I don't know what they did in the uh original i guess we can get that get there once we talk more about like the characters and all that and then we can get into the end of the movie and stuff or how they defeat the clown and you can compare it to the uh, ending of the uh, original series, but uh, I kind of want to talk about or focus on the kids and uh, kind of break them down or, and, you know, talk about how how not only the, the kid actors did, but how we thought of the characters and stuff. And if uh, if John can also see uh, make a comparison of them to maybe the original series at some point. But uh, Hawk, what do you what do you think of the, the kids? in whole or do you want to describe uh each kid uh i don't remember most of their names but i i will say that uh what i loved about the movie was how they went in depth with each individual individual kids fears and how they had to how they beat it and how they went through it like the the rabbi child when uh his was the painting of the woman i thought actually she was one of the creepier things in the entire movie i thought she was creepier than uh, Pennywise, that was that was a truly uh, terrifying scenes with. Yeah, I, with, I agree, with, especially when you uh, in the room when you hear the flute and you see that figure behind him. Oh my goodness! It's like oh, that was. I think that was the uh, one of the better introductions to the children to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, just in general, every kid did wonderful. Eddie with his mother, um. Ben, who was the outcast, basically, but he was kind of like like a genius. I wouldn't say a genius, but he was very curious. 
his scenes with the librarian and the uh, the bomb, the Easter egg bombs in the library, those that was spectacular. Every scene with these kids was good. I was I was I was immersed with these like I was part of the Losers Club. That's what it was like. And then the whole scene with Beverly and her dad, that was very, very terrifying. I thought the dad was actually one of the scariest parts of the movie because of the way he treated her. That was mm-hmm. I was uh that was grotesque. That was that was ugly. That was disgusting. Yeah, it was really um uh, controlling and it was weird. I mean, but it, I mean, you don't I you don't really know the psych the psychological thing behind the dad cuz you didn't really see him beat her. He was just very controlling and kind of so I didn't I didn't really see how he was bad until the end when he like locked the door. It, it and stuff like it that. Gave, um, there was it's it seemed like he raped her. That's what it seems. Yeah, like. that's what it seemed like. But then I didn't really get that vibe in a way. Well, he was remember when he was over her, he was basically straddling her, and yeah, and he he goes to grab him, grab himself, and she kicks him there first. That's that's what it looked like it was happening. Like he was about to say that. Oh, what did, what did he say? And she she um she interrupted what he was gonna say, and he it was like you're my girl still or something like that. And I was that was that was some tough stuff. That was um yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. And you actually they actually allude to it in when you first meet him when she cuts her hair off after he touches it because she she doesn't want any part of what you know yeah he touches. And that's why when, you know, the drain thing happens, it's hair attacking her because that's her immediate fear at that time. And also the uh the blood. The blood. Yeah. Blood. Now John, what would you what's your opinion on the kids and what would you what's your take of uh the each character's fear and could you compare what their fears were or how different they were from the original? So I, I have a few problems. Mm-hmm. The uh, Stan and Mike, who are the uh, the Jewish boy, and then Mike is the uh, African American child. They don't they don't get enough Mm-mm. screen time. I agree, and it's un it's unfortunate. I won't say why, but it it's just unfortunate that 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 happens. Um, and Mike and Ben are actually well. Ben is just kind of there in the original. Like, he's just, you know, another one of them. Mike is actually the one who does all the investigating, and he's the outcast, and he comes in. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they chose to go this route and not make him do that, because I don't see why he couldn't have done it. But he's actually the one that, like, goes to the library and sees the balloon there and has the experience. It's actually That's actually one of the, like, funnier parts of the original series is uh, Tim Curry in the library, because he's just, like, sitting on a desk. Hmm. <laughs> I'll have to. I'm gonna have to watch it to uh, fig- to see all the Tim Curry stuff and see how he he was as the clown. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It it is long though. It's hard to get through, especially now. What do you think of uh? So, what do you think of uh? Ben, I think his name was, as being the the researcher and all that, being the the new kid. I really like him, um, mainly because he's a relatable kid. Yeah, I think a lot of people watch the movie and are like, I was that kid, you know, that's who I used to be. Even if they really weren't, I think a lot of people have felt that way. 
mm-hmm. they really didn't have any friends and you know they just do their own thing and i think that's why it was so relatable um and i did like uh what was i going to say the uh not that this relates to the main you know losers club uh i really liked the the kid that played georgie i thought he did a great job at uh expressing you know the the need to see his brother, even though it was Pennywise acting like him, that the the kid actor still did mm-hmm. a great job. You know. Oh yeah, it, it was especially at the age he is because he's he was the youngest. Uh, and, you know, if that kid was around in nineteen ninety nine, I think he could have played you know young Anakin Skywalker. But he, uh, yeah, he he did he did really well. He was. Uh, I was. He'd still be too old to be a Jedi. That's just. Yeah, yeah, but he'd be, be younger old. than Anakin technically, I think. But still, yeah, I mean, going back to the movie It, uh, I think, I think he did really well. I think he he did good. Sorry to interrupt you, John. No, that's all right. I mean, most of the other characters are the same. You don't really get a, a whole lot of Beverly uh, backstory that I can remember in the '90s series. I don't think it's as uh, in depth, though. It is. It does compare well to the book in terms of this movie and accurately explaining what she goes through and why she is the way she is. I do agree, though. I think you could have got more of Mike. I think they could have given us a little more of Mike. Like, maybe Mike could have met them a little earlier. You know? Um, well, if you if you think about it, he's been with them for two days, and it's just like, he's going through all this yeah. nonsense. Like, there's, there's a demon clown trying to kill him, and he doesn't really know these people. Yeah, that's where I felt tra- like it kind of... Go ahead, Chris. Tragedy, tragedy kind of makes you stick together, though. It does. And, you know, Mike still gets his redemption scene with uh, Henry Bowers at the end there when he pushes him down the well. Stan, on the other hand, doesn't really get anything. Yeah, he... Um, I mean, he gets he his really face didn't... bitten, and then they come save him. <laughs> I, I think he, uh, he reads his thing at, the, at his bris or whatever it's called. So, I mean, that, he's got that going for him. <laughs> at the, as bar yeah, mitzvah? Read, at his bar mitzvah, yeah. Now you said he, um, Ben was kind of just there in the original. Do do you think? Do you think this, John? Do you think this handled? Even though you know Stan was kind of not given a lot, and Mike as well. Do you think it still handled this better than the original? Like with the kids giving them all something. I think so. You still get a little bit of everything with them, and they've gone on. Uh, on record and already said that in this next movie they're going to explain a little bit more of the the supernatural backstory of the town. So you might get more of Mike um, just because of the fire that he, he briefly mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of explained in the book. And uh, I don't, they don't really address it in the miniseries, but the book explains it, and it's part of the whole you know Pennywise thing. And we might get more of a in-depth backstory there, which would be nice. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, speaking of Pennywise, let's... Uh get into the uh let's talk about the clown and let's talk about the actor who played the clown i personally thought he did really well as pennywise i was and i believed it was pennywise you know um i believe hawk said that earlier but Mm -hmm. i i thought it was really well done that guy's from um another show on netflix a netflix original it only has like three seasons i can't remember the name but George Beer Money watched it, and we used to talk Hemlock about Grove? Yes, Hemlock Grove. He's from that. Um, he's okay in that. He's not really that great, but I think this kind of, like, he 
he uh this is like a breakout role for him i think he did really well like i i know you know the oscars and stuff they they kind of don't really nominate like horror movies and stuff but i could see him or you know the kid who played bill getting a nomination acting wise because that i don't know if that kid really has a stutter but i believe that kid had a stutter and it, i i was like the whole time i was like wow if that kid don't have a stutter wow like that that kid's a good actor but uh, John, what you, would you think of the clown and you know your knowledge of the original and all that and the book? What was your opinion on the clown and the, and the actor who played the clown, played it? I'll tell you his uh, his voice. Like when I first heard it, I was like, "Wait a minute, do do I like this?" But then you know, I really liked it. It was like I really liked it once I got used to it. But at first, it just took me back. I was like, "Wait." A <laughs> popcorn yeah but yeah he he did a great job and like i said he's going for a completely different version of pennywise so it's unfair to compare the two but this version it was uh genuinely creepy yeah i i definitely like how they set it up at the beginning too with the like the i don't know how many times i've been in a basement or a dark cellar and i've looked and i thought i saw glowing eyes and it was just how it was like a good setup you know, at the beginning of the movie where they Georgie went down to the basement and he thought he saw glowing eyes. Uh, that's just a just a moment where from like from my past where that has happened when you think you're being watched in like a dark place and yeah. they basically set it up for for that reveal where Pennywise is down in the sewer and I, I have to agree with, jo- with John and you guys, the voice, it did take me out a little bit when you first hear him, but then it's it's a it's like a primal bloodthirsty voice when you get used to it and it's it's pretty haunting it really is mm-hmm. really 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 good that's really good after that scene too uh in the cellar that or in the uh in the sewer there when he looks at him i remember there's a part where he starts drooling and i was like whoa like i was kind of creeped out there and in the next scene you know the drool's gone and i'm like i'm going to try to believe that maybe he used some kind of weird supernatural power to wipe the drool away but I was generally creepy if they would have left a drool there. Because people in the theater were like, eh, like they were like freaked out when he started drooling. Well, he's not, he's really just a, a perception, you know. He can, he can change his form at mm-hmm. will. So it's not really an issue to get rid of something like that. But two, you, the movie uses a lot of different uh, perspective angles when dealing with Pennywise. Bill Skarsgård is like 6'4". Yeah. And he looks bigger than these kids, but they use some crazy angles to make him look even just more imposing over them. And it like it really gives you, you know, that feeling of they're just so much more insignificant than this, you know, beast. How about him uh taking the form of a clown? Like, did did you also get the vibe? Because when they explained that uh Richie had a fear of clowns, did you also think that maybe because he was the most um uh what is it, reserved, that maybe that's why he uh, you know, because he kind of like masks his fears and stuff behind, you know, being, you know, I guess, goofy and making jokes and, you know, stuff like that. Do you think that maybe that's why Pennywise took the the shape of the clown? Like the just the aura from Richie? In, in the book, in the in the miniseries, Richie's afraid of the Wolfman originally. So Pennywise is actually like a real thing. Back in the the town's early um, history, okay, I believe, I believe, right? 
Yeah, that's what they allude to in the the movie. I don't really know if they explain it that way in the book, and I don't. They don't really explain it in the series either. I think it just has a lot to do with his want. He doesn't need to, but his want to prey on children because it's easier. And for the longest time, that's what could attract them was clowns. I mean, obviously not in today's society, but you know, previously, yeah, uh, clowns were loved. That's true. I used to like clowns. There, there wasn't a need for a clown protest. <laughs> Can't believe. Can't believe. Or actually, I want to ask you guys first, uh, who's your favorite kid? Chris Hawk, who's your favorite kid? Uh, I think it was obvious that Richie is the best kid, and I won't accept any other answer. Do you think uh, this was a completely different role from his Stranger Things character? Absolutely. And... Um... In Stranger Things, he's basically the Bill character, where he has to take charge. He's a lot more caring. He doesn't demean any of the other kids. Well, he doesn't demean them, but he doesn't rib them. He doesn't rib the other kids like Richie does in this one, where Richie is like a he's a he's a machine gun of insults. Yeah, he's the he's the Chris Hawk. He he is fourteen year old Chris Hawk. I <laughs> cussed I cussed that much when I was fourteen. I think a lot of people did. I think they really did. A good job with that. Yeah, teen, I mean, when you're a teenager, you think it's cool, you know? You're like, yeah, it's cool, it, I swear. It is cool. I still think it's cool. <laughs> John, who's your favorite kid? Uh, would you like to guess? Bill? No. It was Georgie. It, it, man, if he was part of the Losers Club, it was. But no, it, was, it had to be Beverly, man. I think the, uh, the girl that played Beverly was perfect at the role and she reminds you of you know like a, a young molly Ringwald mm-hmm. or a young amy adams is what people compare her to but i think that's ridiculous to me but i could see i could see the young amy adams when she cut her hair i i definitely think she she's one of the more important characters that has this role to give to play to bring mm-hmm. them together and i think she did a good job of portraying that. I really think um, if they were to remake The Breakfast Club, she would totally be in that movie. Oh, yeah. They might now. Mario, who's your favorite kid? Uh, ben. Ben? Ben was my all-time fave. New kid on the block, Ben? New kid on the block. Speaking of how I wanted to bring it up earlier, but when they go to his house, and, you know, because earlier when he meets Beverly, he's listening to New Kids on the Block, and he's like, I don't really like them. She kind of says a new kid on the block song and walks away. And, you know, he says something back to her and he's like, yeah, that's a, also a new kid on the block song. And then when they take him to his room, um, she closes the door and, and there's the new kid on the block uh, poster and like it zooms in. and It's like rough, rough. <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny. That was probably the, the funniest part, in my opinion, of the whole movie. But I liked Ben. I liked how he did research and. Because there was nothing else for him to do, and I just like the character, and I, I I really wanted him to be with Beverly, but you know he's not the main character, so you know Bill had to get the had to get Beverly, had to get the girl because he's the main character. Look, all I'm gonna say is you haven't seen part two. That's true, and Ben better be married he gets buff. to Beverly. He gets he gets buff. How? Okay, this is something I want to bring up before we get to positive and negative. He got, he got the, like, why did they ever take him to the, to the hospital? He got the, the H cut into him for the one kid's name. He 
First of all, that drop kick and then backing up over the thing was awesome. I was like, you freaking go, dude. Freaking Ben, man. And uh, so much but a better Ben than Kylo Ren. And uh, and then when... Poetry. When they go, he writes poetry. He writes poetry, yeah. But when he gets sliced with that thing with that thing that they stuck in the, the Pennywise's head in the house, and he gets sliced across his stomach, I was like, this dude's... He's freaking cut. I mean, even Richie makes the joke about it. He's like... He's like, this guy's got his meat chunks hanging out or whatever he said. And <laughs> it's like, why'd they take him to the hospital? Like, what happened to what happened to him after that scene? Did they just did they did Beverly so, sew him up? So here's the thing, is I can't I can't say a lot about it, but the adults in the town, the all the ones you meet have something wrong with them. Because they interacted with Pennywise? It's it has nothing to do with them interacting with him. It's more that he exerts an influence over the town so much that they don't really care about things Mm -hmm. and act in the worst ways. So I I think the kids, you know, I think you could assume that the kids thought it wouldn't matter at that point. Because even when, um, what, Eddie, when he breaks his arm, like his mom flips out about it, blames the kids, and then like it gets fixed. And she says nothing else about it. She doesn't even ask how it happened. She just blames them. She doesn't because she doesn't, she doesn't really ask care. about Ben's scratch across his stomach. Yeah, exactly. They're all the adults have issues, and I think at that point they were more worried about dealing with the supernatural problem. So uh, let's get into negatives and positives now. Uh, let's start with some negatives. Uh, John, what what were some of your negatives? Well, I touched on it earlier. Uh, Stan. I think he needed a little bit more. I think Mike will get a little bit more. Um, I really liked the, not really the Bowers gang, but the guy they had play Henry Bowers, because he's, he's that awful. And they used him really well, but the other two guys, they just kind of throw him away. They don't even give you anything yeah. with him. But then the kids care about him, so I, I, it's kind of a waste of space to even include him. You could have just had him do it. I think for the sake of it being a gang, they did it as a gang. Kind of like a Goonies type, uh, or like a, or like a yeah. Karate Kid rival bullies or whatever. Like it was essentially like a like an eighties movie, teen a teen eighties movie. It was. Overall, though, I don't have a lot of negatives really, so that's that's all I had. Chrisoff, do you have any negatives? Um, I think. Too much saturation of Pennywise got to me after a while. I didn't find him as terrifying as i did when i first saw him i i mean i don't know if that's a bad thing i just he wasn't as frightening as he could have been um like later on later on yeah i agree the, the fight scene at the end was kind of hard to follow just because it was dark and went by it like really fast there was one part with mike at the beginning when you first meet him where when we see his scene where it's he's having the vision of the people in the uh, meat locker and they're, it's like really dark and it's burning. And he sees the figure behind the those see-through the, um, curtains, yeah. fabric. And like, did you guys, did your guys sound go like weird for that scene where it kind of like goes super silent and then the car and the ba- Bowers in the car comes down the alleyway? I don't know what happened for me in my theater, but the sound, it sounded... I don't know what it was, the scene, mm-hmm. the sound, or the image that was on it, but it, it just, 
it sounded like the movie just cut out for a second and it kind of took me out of the moment. No, I, it was a weird. It was like a weird glitch or something. I think there was always like a like a little like piano or you know some kind of weird instrumental sound for me when I heard that scene. Like I didn't really hear any silence. Yeah, I don't remember that. Happening. Maybe there was silence, but it was I really weird. I thought that was one of the most scariest, you know, one of the scarier scenes. Just just speaking to your your oversaturation of Pennywise, he he starts to get desperate, you know, and. He can't kill these kids, and these kids are really becoming a problem. That's why he starts appearing more and more, and in less intimidating and you know thought out ways. I think if you think about it that so way, so it's kind of part of like so it makes sense. Yeah, he, I, I don't understand what you're he, saying. It's because the kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. the kids are you know not believing I, what's my, going on. I wasn't. I was becoming less and less afraid of Pennywise. I was beating him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what you got to do. You did it with the yeah, kids. Man, that was great. That's good. You're part of the Losers Club. Congratulations, nerd. <laughs> Any other negatives, Hawk? Uh, not really. Um, the only negatives for me is I'd probably agree with John. Like, yeah, I think they kind of they took a they rushed a little bit to the point. They didn't really rush. I, like, there was I didn't really feel like they rushed. But what what I mean by rushing was that they didn't give you enough of Mike or Stan. So I felt like maybe they kind of just were like, okay, we, we gave you all these other guys. Let's just get through the plot. So Stan, we'll give you a little bit of Stan and Mike and then, you know, or whatever. But, you know, this, the kid getting scratched and me, you know, and me like, why didn't he go to the hospital? Like, he got cut. Kind of is a nitpick. But also mostly because he's my favorite character and I cared about Ben. I wanted Ben to, you know, get the girl in the end, but the damn main character, Bill. But that's, I don't know. I didn't really have much negatives, really. Uh, nothing really. Nothing really comes to mind when I think of negatives other than what John said about Stan and Mike and, you know, maybe, you know, not being scared of Pennywise, but, you know, John put it in a better perspective with, uh, you know, the kids don't really believe what's going on. You know, they're starting to be less fear, less fearful of Pennywise. So he's, you don't really see him as frightening and stuff. I, I think that's kind of cool to see it that way. Uh, but is there any positives for you guys, uh, Chris Hawk? Is there any positives for you? I think one of my favorite things with that are, that the there is more than one villain, and that's the adults and uh, the bullies that John brought up was the adults. The best part is, I think the bullies was the scariest part of the movie. Uh, when Henry Bowers kills his dad, when when they carve the H into the to Ben, when. He's standing over Mike, and he's about to shoot him with the um, the ranch gun. That was that was some terrifying stuff. And I think bullies in Stephen King novels are one of the scariest parts of his novels because they do the most horrific acts in those books. They are the ones that are the most unhinged. They're the ones that are the most graphic. And I think equally, the adults were just as. Uh, unhinged also in this movie and they were also equally as scary like beverly's dad was terrifying the pharmacist was terrifying to beverly with the whole lois lane and the creepy pedo yeah leer leers that it was just it was creepy i got goosebumps because of i got like deuce chills because of how terrifying it was it was just those are just it was, and that just a testament to how good this movie was and how it made how un, it made me unsettled in my honest and how it, it creeped me out. 
in my honest opinion, I really hope this movie, like when people come out of it, they, you know, have more respect for other people and their differences and they don't, you know, embrace that bully or embrace bullies or anything like that. That's that's one thing I hope that people take out of this movie, in my opinion. But uh, continue with your positives, Chris Hawk. And the kids. It's whenever kids have fun like that, it makes me smile because kids make me laugh. And that's that's some funny stuff on this this movie. This was this movie was office, honestly funnier than some of the comedy movies that came out this year. So it's it's just I love it when horror movies are funny, and I and I think they work well together. Like unlike Marvel movies that sometimes they almost overuse comedy, horror movies that use comedy actually sometimes make them scarier. Do you think um you think this is a plus for horror movies? A thumbs what do you up. Mean? Well, just because a, a lot of you know the more recent Hollywood or studio pushed horror movies, you know, it's all jump scares. It's all like you know people are. It's oversaturation of just cheesy horror flicks like Ouija or you know uh, Unfriended or I think is the one that we saw in in for Star when we went to go see Star Wars Celebration. I think. What about Friend of I West? Think, Did you guys no. see that trailer? I think. I think after this, you're going to see a big push for quality R-rated horror movies because this this is a well-made rated R horror movie. Or you're going to see the Stephen King extended universe. It's going to happen. I really hope. Did you guys see the trailer for Gerald's game? Yeah, it looks good. Uh, what what was that? Tra- what was in that trailer again? The woman and her husband go away to uh, like a cabin. She or he. Oh yeah, uh, yeah I see that. I see that. That looks interesting. That's that's a Stephen King book. What kind of trailers did you guys see in this movie? I saw the Blade Runner. I saw Justice League. I saw Friend Request. <laughs> I didn't see that did one. You, ha- you didn't need to. Does um <laughs> does Happy Death Day look interesting to you guys? Because it looks really yeah, I saw it that. looks really interesting to me. All right, so I have a problem with that, that movie. <laughs> Happy Death Day. All right. I want to see it because I think it's going to be good. But this concept of dying over and over again to accomplish a goal has uh, been pretty mainstream for a little bit. More and, recently, uh, too. Appearing in uh, a lot of media and different types of uh, media. Why, why we got to do another movie? Why can't we come up with original concepts? <laughs> I mean, there's uh, what? that. I, instantly, I thought of Chris Hawk when I saw that movie. I was like, a horror loop movie? Chris, Hawk, This has Chris Hawk all over it. But the horror aspect is like negating the loop part for Chris Hawk. But yeah, I see what you're saying, John, because, you know, more recently, there's Before I Go, did the whole loop thing where the girl, you know, she dies, her, her and her friends die, and then, you know, she keeps waking up and reliving the same day. It's almost the same thing, almost. And, uh, you know, was that one on Netflix that, Chris Hawk really liked Ark. Ark, yeah. It seems like it's a, it's kind of more of a, it's it's becoming a thing now with this uh, Happy Death Day coming out. Yeah, I mean, I want to see it. I think it'll, it might be good, but I like a new original concept sometimes, and I feel like that doesn't happen a lot. And like the big movies that get marketed, you just see something you've seen before. John, what were uh, some of your positives on the movie? Uh, you guys have really touched on most of them. I really like the kids. Uh, something that is a negative is, I mean, we might get some flashbacks to those kids, but we got a whole new cast in the next movie. 
how are you going to cast a group that will come together and act like those kids did with such, you know, yeah, good rapport with well, each let's other. hope that's a lot of uh let's hope they get no names. I think no names would work better. I agree. Well, I I guess it depends. Because uh, I, I was reading some stuff and people were like, you know, fan casting it. And a lot of it was nonsense. Like, people sucked at casting like things. Like Jessica but... Chastain. Uh, just, uh, you know who I'm talking about. Chastain for I'll, uh, Beverly. I'll tell you. I was like, no, no, no. If you cast Seth Green in that movie, <laughs> I think he could <laughs> Seth Green, it. he's not bad. As who, though? The, Stan, uh, right? The He'd have to be Stan, right? Because he looks just like Stan the hair. <laughs> Yeah, no, he'd he'd have to be Stan, but it uh, you know, you could do it with big names, but too many of them, you'd ruin it. So you'd have to go with lesser known actors, not like mm-hmm. unknowns though. The guy who plays Cyborg could be uh, Mike. That's not bad. That's not well. Let's see how Cyborg does first. John, is do you have any other positives to mention or? No, I mean I I really touched on them when we were talking about other things. I mean, I pretty much agree with you guys. You know, the kids, I thought, interacted really well. Kid actors, I really liked uh, how the movie came together. You know, having not really having any expectations going into it, and especially being by myself, because in my opinion, you know, sometimes it could be good. Sometimes it's kind of, you know, like, uh, I, I really wish someone would have came with me or something. But You didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I got, you got anything else, Mario? Good. No, go ahead. I do have one more positive. Too. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the lights. The dead lights. Appreciate that. Yep. The what lights? When his face opens up and Beverly sees the lights. Oh, okay. They're pretty. Uh, Is that they're like pretty a... important to the story? Yeah, they're going to explain everything in the second one. Oh, okay. Okay, so Pennywise existed for real. What form would he take to scare the crap out of you, Mario? Um, I think this is an easy one. I think everybody already knows. Spiders. And be a fat version of Mario. Oh my god, yeah, or that. When I look in the mirror, I see a fat version of me. Oh, Jesus. A fatter version of me, because I'm already fat. I think mine would obviously be Kareem Hunt with 40 points in fantasy. Oh my god. On Chris Hawk's team. I mean, John, Kansas you still City can come back. back. Like, it's, it's not impossible. I don't know, honestly. Mine would have to be spiders or something insect-like, or you know, I'm also afraid of the dark. Like I, like, uh, I hate the dark. Chris Hawk. Honest, uh, I mean, other than the obvious baby-related uh, fears, I would have to say, uh, the like, um, Titanic is one of the scariest movies to me because they, um, well, you know, because drowning in a compartment is, yeah unbelievably terrifying drowning itself doesn't terrify me but drowning in a place or a compartment where you can't get out of or like in a place is filling up with water i don't know why but it, that terrifies me so i guess you know that's terrifying you know what's ridiculous chris hawk as i was just listening to something the other day where somebody brought up this exact fear and everybody was like what are you talking about it's it's <laughs> terrifying like I'd never, i mean i can see I'd it never heard it before and then like now you're talking about it there's gonna be a new wave of people having fears of drowning in a compartment it's just like <laughs> the next movie series the, you know the uh, what happened to the the u.s navy ships out in the pacific ocean when 
they take on water, they have to close off certain parts of the ship, and people got trapped in those parts. So they, they are necessarily dead. They get shielded off from other parts of the ship, but they have to do that be, or the ship goes down. So it's, and they die in those compartments. And that's, that's terrifying. You ever see Ghost Ship, Chris Hart? I don't want to see Ghost Ship. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of the best uh, mass murder scenes in oh, movies. Oh, when they get, co- they yeah. get chopped in half. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, I don't know why we're laughing at mass murder. <laughs> oh. Um, we're gonna save the similarity Rubicon as usual for last. I feel like that's, you know, the similarity Rubicon has become a Cinema Seven mascot. Uh. John, let's start with you. What's your your uh, final summary and grade for it, the movie? I think it's definitely worthwhile if you're uh, too afraid of horror movies or clowns in general. I still think you should make an effort to see the movie. You know, with all the lights on at two p.m. in your house when it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, because <laughs> it's it's worth it. And it's not. It's honestly not as scary as you would think. And it's it's just a good movie overall. Uh, I I gave it an eight point five slash nine. I don't know if I want to give it a nine. That's that's a that's a bit high. So eight point five. Whoa. Uh, I agree, John. I I think it's it is a worthwhile movie. I do think um, if you've been if you're a horror fan or if you probably uh you know like the original because I know the original is also well received in the horror community. Um, I, I think that you, you will really uh, like this movie, especially if you're like, if you grew up with things like the Goonies or, you know, if you really liked Super 8 and if you really enjoyed Stranger Things, because essentially this kind of has a, a lot of aspects of Stranger Things in a way. But, you know, Stranger Things takes aspects from other type of things in the 80s. But I, I think this is definitely a, uh, something you should go watch and, uh, you know. I really enjoyed it. I, I was highly surprised about how much I liked it. And, uh, you know, I, I liked how everything came together, how the kids met. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that all of them lived at the end. And I know in Chapter 2, probably more devious things are going to happen to the kid, to, uh, you know, the, the characters. Uh, ben, better get Beverly. That's all I'm saying. I give this movie an 8.8 out of 10. So for, so for the similarity Rubicon, uh, Chris Hawk doesn't watch a lot of horror movies come around and say it. He's just, it's not his niche. So you'd be surprised that, like, one of Chris Hawk's favorite movie this year was Get Out. And Get Out has a lot of similarities with it, the movie. The, the humor in Get Out, just, I felt it throughout all of the movie It. It's, it's, it's just present, it, it's gut-busting laughter from both movies and I just it was refreshing to see this in a horror movie where it's not just trying to scrunch your gut up into a knot to make you nervous or or scared it's it's humanizing to the movie almost itself it's not only it's trying to lure you into a false security so that you know you're laughing you're enjoying this movie and then bam out of nowhere jump scares so that's I that's why I enjoyed get out and it so much is because there's just so similar with humor, the scares, 
And then you have the th- I uh, compare this to the movie the the thing because I think Pennywise and the thing they're somewhat similar monsters and their shape shifting capabilities and how they they drive fear into the hearts of people who encounter them. In the movie the thing, it's one of the scariest. The thing is one of the scariest movies I've seen because. What's more terrifying than not being able to trust anyone around you, or they could be your utter, your the thing that can destroy you? And I, I think that's kind of what is so scary about it when it's your own fear manifested into reality. So I picked the thing, and then for my last movie, it's basically like a mashup between the Goonies and Stranger Things because of the the, the kid aspect, which is pretty redundant. We we've mentioned it a lot during the podcast. It's it's one of the best parts of the movies, and it shines. It really does shine like a bright light, like a diamond. It's, it's one of the best parts of the movie is the kids interacting with each other, the kids joining together to beat the monster, the kids bouncing off each other, them becoming a family, them doing the pact. It's one of the better on-screen renditions of a young group that actually happens in real life. I mean, this. Those kind of groups happen naturally. They exist. They exist out in the world like that, like the Loser Club. Like some kids would say that. That's and I think that's why this movie shines so well. So for the slim- similarity Rubicon, you have Get Out for the horror and the humor. You have The Thing for the Pennywise monster, and then you have the Goonies and Stranger Things because the the t- the group aspect is just. I I would say honestly that the the team group and it i think it's one of my favorite kid teams so far you know one comparison i think you could make and probably everyone has made this one is the freddy krueger yeah freddy krueger is a good nightmare on elm because street he's almost an unbeatable monster also and pennywise is yeah, he's he, almost invincible also and they use their fears and their dreams and can you imagine it versus uh or pennywise versus uh freddy krueger can't be uh take Please no. Can't be taking my my, <laughs> my horror crossover mashup for our uh, pitch it. You can't be taking that. So uh, John gave it an eight point five, maybe a nine, depending on uh, when he thinks about it more. Maybe um, depends on the day I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the day. Depends for... on if I'm the dancing John <laughs> <laughs> Um I gave it an eight point eight out of ten. Uh, Chris Hawk, like he said, compared it to. Get out for the horror and the in the you know the comedy aspect in it. Uh, he said, "Stranger Things and the Goonies for the kids and the thing because you you just don't know you can't trust the thing you can't trust your reality in a way and you can't trust who's around you and all that because you, you it's your your that's one of your craziest fears or you know that type of thing the villain you know not, not knowing where the villain's gonna be." So that was our uh, our take on it. Hope you guys enjoyed our discussions. Um, definitely check us out on social media. You know, on Twitter we're at Cinema Seven underscore Podcast. On Facebook we're Cinema Seven. You can even look us up on Instagram to see a lot of uh, cool graphic designs things we post, or you know, just random pictures that we just put up there because you know, who knows? Podcasts on Instagram it's a hard thing to do. But you can uh, follow us on Instagram at cinema7 underscore podcast. 
You can find us on Patreon, and if you know, um, some all of our episodes go on Patreon too. And in case you know, you just want to go to a website and listen to our episodes. Uh, but you can you can support the podcast. Uh, like I said before, we're an independent podcast. You can support us on there for as little as a dollar. If John wants to explain some of the other details of Patreon, it's just a method to uh, support your local friendly neighborhood dancing podcasters <laughs> and donating a dollar you know we'll list your name on the podcast every single time and say thanks like uh thanks mario thanks me thanks chris hawk and thanks mario's mom thank you guys yes hey thanks guys there's other rewards and uh you know you could check it out i Speak- believe in your skills yeah go check it out patreon cinema 7 podcast speaking of websites uh the most loneliest website on the internet Cinema7podcast.com. If you want to check out our website, um, probably no one goes to that website, so that's why it's it's like, uh, what's that place in uh, Russia that you know is abandoned? Chernobyl. That's our website. Yeah. Our website's basically Chernobyl, <laughs> but if radioactive we, bears. Yeah, we got radio. Yeah, we got radioactive. We got zombie bears. We have zombie radioactive bears. zombie bears. Yes. Oh, but uh, yeah, go check out our website. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to mention? Um, I know recently we kind of took a week off. You know, we all been kind of busy. It's a good vacay. Uh, you know, that's yeah, that's what happens when we, and when you're an independent podcast, and you know, we all have different jobs and stuff. And we got more episodes coming up. We got a whole bunch coming till the end of the year, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, We'll talk more about it. You know, definitely follow us on social media to, uh, you know, get more info on what's what's coming out and what's coming up on Cinema 7. But that's it for uh, this episode on it. Uh, Chris Hawk, take it away. So from all of us at your Friendly Neighborhood Podcast, we want to thank you. Dancing. Oh, yeah. Friendly Dancing Podcast. Neighborhood Dancing uh, Podcast. Wait, watch watch us on NBC when we apply for America's Next Best Dance Group. Just watch for us. And thank you for listening with us. Thank you for watching with us. Thank you for exploring.